David, we're bringing back an old classic segment this week. And I want to know, what old classic fantasy football players do you want to come back? From back in your old days of playing fantasy football. Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles. Bring him back. What an answer. I was hoping you'd say Cecil Shorts. But hey, this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Cheers. Cheers. We are kind of the Cecil Shorts of fantasy football podcasts, if you if you will, if you'll allow me. I'll, I'll go with that today. All right. So, yes, this is the Fantasy Finish Line <laughs> podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. David, what are you drinking tonight? Well, uh, the local brewery called Scorched Earth, there's a um, there's a go sale called Fruiternity local. House. That's like neighborhood brewery. Well... <laughs> you know, we don't have to give specifics on exact locations. Oh, that's a good point. But that's true. It's very local to me. Uh, it's blackberry, boysenberry, cabernet sauvignon grapes, and uh, it is sort of a sweet and sour go sale from this local place. And uh, I think it's rather good. And you're also drinking a uh, uh, a sour today, right? I also have a goes. In fact, it's from Founders. It's the Green Zebra, the goes style ale brewed with watermelon and sea salt. Um, an old classic. I think that these are probably left over from the summer to remind us of warmer times as it's snowing outside right now. There you go. Sea salt shorts. Mm. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Mm. So we have a number of things to discuss today. Uh, and you brought up uh, some of those already uh, talking offline before the show started. Uh, we mentioned that there were some injuries this week, but actually there weren't a ton when you compare them to the previous weeks. Not a lot of people got injured in week 11. However, uh, in my list of injuries that we're going to go over and the complications and uh, meaning of those injuries, there are a lot of people because there's a lot of carryover. Um, People that may come back this week, maybe next week, or maybe not at all. Yeah, that's true. So I really, um, you know, I'm hurt by some of these injuries myself. You are? Not physically, but emotionally and uh, my fantasy teams for sure. I'm lineup challenged at the moment in a few places, if you will. Yeah, you're feeling some sympathetic pains. Yeah, so let's <laughs> uh, let's have a little toast and then we can get right into it. Sure. And remember, if you're listening and uh, you identify the theme to the music this evening, which all of the songs will fit the theme in some way, mm-hmm. then uh, please send us an email. And let us know what you think that theme is. You know, you can hit us up on Twitter at Drink5, but make sure to DM. Don't just tell everybody what it is. <laughs> and uh, you can email us, Jason at Drink5.com or David at Drink5.com. So, yeah, please do. Our, uh, our email inboxes are open and ready for your input. I want to talk about quarterbacks first, and the first guy on the list is Matthew Stafford. So Stafford with a back injury, the exact injury that they gave the information about was that he had small, tiny fractures in his back. Of course, practicing um, and especially playing with an injury of that kind could result in something as as horrifying as uh, as issues with the spinal cord itself. So they're taking it easy with their franchise quarterback. And Stafford was out there today in practice, but he was wearing a red no-contact jersey. 
with a backwards baseball cap on, which means that he's not very close to returning. But it was nice to see that he was tossing a few passes while teammates were stretching out, but then uh, he switched to just spectating when drills started up. So no practice at all? Does that count as a no practice? Yeah, I would say so. I think to practice in limited fashion, you still have to uh, participate in some kind of individual drills. Okay, and hey, we're going into week 11. It's something that you mentioned earlier uh, offline was that it, this is the time of year when nobody practices on Wednesdays. That's true. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, don't feel, don't feel discouraged if your players aren't practicing right now. They've all had a lot of practice throughout the year. They need some rest at the moment. Yeah, you, you regularly, uh, if you visit a site like Rotoball or Roto World or, or even pay attention to the beat reporters on Twitter, which I recommend, um, you'll find quite often that Wednesdays in the last half of the year will just be constant uh, did not practices on Wednesday, followed by even limited practices on Thursday. As long as the player practices in full by Friday, then you're pretty much good to go, whether or not the coach uh, is going to announce earlier in the week that the player is going to play. Yeah, Friday practice is usually the, the big key there. At this point, Stafford looks doubtful to suit up this week, in my opinion, against the Cowboys, and the backup, Jeff Driscoll, who was 27 for 46 last week, 269 yards, one touchdown, and one interception, should continue to fill in under center. It did look like Marvin Jones had some good chemistry with Driscoll, who put up 77 yards on five receptions, Marvin Jones, that is. Uh, I think Driscoll actually had uh, a catch. If if I'm remembering this correctly, I might be confusing it with another... Uh, oh, now I have to look this up. Maybe it was Brian Hoyer. Uh, I think there was like a batted pass that came down and he caught it for six yards. Oh, like, uh, okay, not a <laughs> planned thing. No. <laughs> but an accidental thing. No, it was Jeff Driscoll, okay. six-yard reception. There you go. 100% so that, catch rate, good for him. That was an entertaining part of uh, of last I week. I wonder how many backup quarterbacks have a passing touchdown, rushes, and catches. I am or not catch. sure. Uh, at least one. At least one. Uh, and Kenny Galladay had nine targets last week, so the Lions are still airing it out, which is great. Uh, they're going to have to, especially against the Cowboys, who've been scoring a lot of points lately. And that's good news for fantasy owners in general, uh, regardless of who you have in, in that game, whether it's Galladay or Jones. I'm sure we'll talk about some of those players later as well. Stay tuned for more news on Stafford as the week progresses. If he's able to play, of course, that's a slight upgrade for all the players on the team. And we're not paying that much attention to the running backs there. Again, we'll talk about some of those guys uh, as, as they are related to injuries. But uh, really, all the people that matter on that offense are uh, are Stafford or whoever's under center and Jones and Galladay. I don't see a whole lot of fantasy relevance for TJ Hawkinson, although he showed up earlier in the season. He doesn't seem to be a very consistent member of the uh, of the fantasy uh, um, play-by-play each week. Yeah, definitely. And at a position that's very up and down, like tight end, you know, you can't rely on that at all. Jacoby Brissett with a knee injury. The Colts coach, uh, Frank, is it Reich or Reich? Reich. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, Frank Reich has already said that if Brissett was able to practice today, that he would be the starter against the Jaguars this Sunday. And he did. He practiced today. So if we're taking that particular guy at his word, he's going to be the guy under center. And he better be because Hoyer was a horrible quarterback filling in for Brissett. Hoyer the destroyer of his own team. And he helped to give the Dolphins their first win. Of the year. Nope, their second win. And he helped to give the Dolphins their second win of the year. But that's bad news, uh, so they're trying to get away from him as soon as possible. There's no quarterback controversy in Indianapolis. Just get well soon cards going to Jacoby's home address. I mean, address. there was quarterback controversy. I suppose there isn't anymore. Well, if you're talking about Andrew Luck... <laughs> 
That's a, that's a different kind of controversy. Yeah, I think we're all good there. All right. I do like this beer a lot. I think Jason's trying to play as many songs from Marvel movies as he possibly can. Hey, I could just do Guardians of the Galaxy one night and I have a great time. That sounds good to me, too. It's a great soundtrack. Um, looking at running backs, here's Devontae Freeman with a foot injury. He suffered a foot sprain that will hold him out for about two weeks, according to Ian Rapoport. Ido Smith, who is the backup coming into the season with the neck injury, was already put on IR. So he's not going to be showing back up there. The job this week belongs to Brian Hill. Brian Hill is a third-year running back who put up 20 carries for 62 yards and a receiving touchdown last week against the Saints and a touchdown the previous week. Not a trend yet, but but going towards it, it's nice to have a guy who's going to be the running back on the team, even if it is Atlanta, because they haven't generally been putting up very good numbers from the backfield. However, Carolina's defense is giving up an average of 136.7 yards per game on the ground, so Hill is a good play for Week 11 while Freeman recuperates. At the very least, he's a good bi-week fill-in, um, but I think he's more like an RB2 this particular week. Granted, he didn't have a lot of, uh, uh, of, of a good average uh, yards per rush, but the thing that we care about with running backs that you're going to s- slot in those positions is that they get the touches. Because even if they don't do a really excellent job, if they get 20, 25 touches, they're still going to score you that you know uh, 8 to 10 points. Yeah, I and he clearly is going to be someone who gets the ball a lot. They like they they were happy to give him the ball a lot last week. They need to find some sort of action at running back. Yep. yep. Perhaps it's almost overdue for him. Saquon Barkley with a foot and ankle injury. He had 1 yard from 13 carries last week. <laughs> and and that maybe is all I need to say right I here. I wrote about him actually. <laughs> that came out to 0.08 yards per carry. Yeah, that is that is not so good. Um, from someone like Barkley, who you drafted at the top of the board, and uh, and that was the lowest total on that many touches since a game from Beanie Wells in 2002. So he's breaking records on the other side that you don't want the to be wrong, breaking records. The wrong kind of records. <laughs> Barkley had x-rays right after the game. He also admitted to not playing at 100%. So the question is, did he come back from the ankle injury too soon? Which I kind of said right away. I don't think anyone, even someone as superhuman as him, should be rushed back from that kind of an injury, a high ankle sprain. Onto a two-win team. Yeah, and can we can we chalk it up to offensive line woes? Sure, that's a problem, but Barkley has always found his way even, even through those kinds of issues. So I think this might have something to do with Barkley himself, which he does admit. Now, saying that he's not playing at 100%, he could always backtrack and say, I was at 99, man. You know, <laughs> but but it looks to me like it was something more like fifty percent um, with his outstanding one yard uh, from last week. Either way, Barkley hasn't had a game over seventy-two yards since week two, and he hasn't rushed for more than thirty yards in the last two matchups. So this is not who you drafted. This is not who we thought he was. Yeah, I ugh, I don't like that at all. You know, Saquon Barkley. He's so good, right? And he can go off at any time. And he's had some very good games this season. Right. Um, but I, were they all before his ankle injury? I think they were. So, you know, I, I don't know what to say. you got to keep starting him, though, right? 
I don't think so. I think you sit Barkley from now on until he has a good game. Otherwise, you might just be shooting yourself in the same place that Saquon was injured. Shoot yourself in the ankle, as they say. <laughs> it's foot slash ankle. <laughs> All right, somewhere like a 45-degree angle that goes through both, you know. Plexico Burris could figure it out for us. Yeah, well, I bet if Saquon shot himself in the foot, he'd try to come back in three weeks. That's all I'm saying. That's a good point. So, honestly, I mean, would you say you keep starting him? Because start your studs, right? But if your studs are horrible, what, there, have to, there has to be a point where you say, no more, Saquon. Well, if he's healthy enough to keep playing, i got to think that the Giants aren't crazy enough to know that like they need to just shut him down if he's not healthy. Well, I think the Giants might be crazy enough not to know that. I mean, like I said, look, Washington is supposed to be the team that is like a walking malpractice suit. <laughs> I didn't think it would be New York as well, but you know, they're just—they all went to Camp Troops. Leave and... it to the NFL to always surprise me with how inept they really are. That's right. For for such an amazingly rich and powerful organization, they sure make a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, we'll just wait till we have a seventeen-game season, and then we'll have. Well, the good part about that, fantasy owners, is that we'll probably get an additional game. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I must say that's pretty cool. Is it though? I mean, <laughs> but if you're if you're talking on on behalf of the players, um, shout out to Ballers on HBO. I know you stopped watching that like three seasons in. Uh, it's Elizabeth Warren's favorite show. Maybe I should go back. Well, that has no bearing on my decision. <laughs> I just think that it's a really funny thing when she was asked what her favorite show is. She's like, I love Ballers. Well, that probably just means she likes Dwayne, right? She's a big rock fan. Yeah, she's a big rock fan. <laughs> I mean, um, who's not? But but what I'm saying is, in that show, this this current season, the whole prevailing theme is about a lifetime health care and all these good things for the, the team. So I'm really glad to see that message being carried. Unfortunately, that's not really being carried in reality. So I'd like to see some of that move over. Maybe we could get uh, The Rock as a, as a team owner uh, in the actual NFL. That would be awesome. Sure, he has the money in real life to do that. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I don't know how he became that rich in the show, but perhaps <laughs> you shouldn't spoil it for people who are listening. You got it. Uh, <laughs> Matt Breda with an ankle injury, aggravating an existing low ankle sprain in Week 10's game against the Seahawks. He's expected to miss a week or two. That's in quotes, of course, because it doesn't come from me. It comes from somebody else. In the interim, Tevin Coleman will continue to take the lion's share of snaps, and Raheem Mostert will slot in as the number two. A Mostert has filled in nicely previously when Coleman was out earlier in the season, uh, scored some touchdowns, got quite a few yards, and was someone that you could play as a flex. So he'll be an interesting play while Breda is out. Um, you wow. mentioned uh, the other day that... You managed it, Dave. What? There are four, There are five different San Francisco 49ers you mentioned in there. Oh. <laughs> you mentioned Breda and Breda and Mostert and Mostert. <laughs> I guess I need a class on how to pronounce 49ers. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I was hoping you'd get that last one in. I'll eat some humble pie. I, I, I totally distracted you. I apologize, but I have something to say about Matt Breida, and it's that I believe it's Breida, but also he seems really good when he's like 80% and he's been injured and he has like a slight ankle problem. I don't know if it's because the defenses try not like don't worry about him as much, but last year he was banged up and almost didn't start like a lot of games, and then he kept doing well. So I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe I'm being crazy, but I'd like to see him play through it. I, well, you're at odds with what you said earlier about injuries. You're like, you know what? Just let him play through it. He's better this way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, this is an exception to that rule. Also, the 49ers need to win games to get a bye. You know, they have to they have to keep ahead of the uh, 
the Seahawks, who they just lost to. Well, as we've seen from from previous games with Williams filling in and uh, Mostert filling in, or whoever is filling in for the 1A, 1B of uh, of Tevin and Matt, which I'm just going to say their first names now, although I do know how to pronounce Coleman correctly. As long as you don't say Tevin. Do you know how to pronounce the names correctly? Is there... uh, like I'm missing. The, I haven't. I, I look them up sometimes. I'm missing the glossary. Here, and on other times, I listen to other shows when they're like, "No, we looked it up, and it's this." Mm-hmm. So I think it's breed. Like you always got me on Alvin Kamara. Yeah. You know, it's not Kamara, like the Giants owner. It's Kamara, like the car. Well, I'm hoping that if you look it up in the dictionary, that, that Breda is pronounced both ways, depending on you know. Uh, on how they want it pronounced. Yeah, is it the UK pronunciation of Breda or the US pronunciation of Breda? So the Matt Breda pronunciation is pronounced Breda. All right. According to Matt, oh, and I'm not going to pronounce his last name right, Mia Coco on Twitter. Well, if you can't pronounce the guy Maya, who's Maya pronouncing Coco. the name, then... You know, well, you got to think know. a guy with a name that... His last name is spelled M-A-I-O-C-C-O. And a guy like that is going to be really particular about pronunciation. <laughs> Fair enough, but... The, the ultimate goal here is is finding someone on that team that's also going to uh, perform at a high level when Matt is out. So in that case, this Raheem is a, is a great guy to fill in. And he is actually owned in a lot of leagues anyway if the leagues are deep because you've seen him perform at a high level, even sometimes with both of those guys in. So interesting uh, uh, conundrum there for owners. But, but what's important for, uh, for those people that are Tevin Coleman owners is that he's obviously going to be the guy. Uh, while uh, Breda is gone. So is there any fantasy value for Raheem Mostert? Is yeah, like I said, it's a it's a flex play. And So and would you play him in place of Matt Breda? Yes. Okay. And back when he was on the Browns, it was Mostert. Okay. Pronoun- emphasis on the Mo. Well, then it's Breda and Mostert. Got yeah, it. It, it's great. These um, The press guides that make it on, uh, that make it to the internet, all have really good... Um, uh, pronunciation guides on them. So I'm looking for someone from the 2016 uh, team with an interesting name, and all we got is Isaiah Crowell. <laughs> um, well, I, I am always someone who likes to pronounce uh, pronounce the words. <laughs> pronounce them right, Dave. Pronounce the words correctly. Yeah. So we're going to go with Brita. We're going to go with Brita and Mostert from now on. And if, if someone says it incorrectly, then the other person's allowed to, to slap them. You know? All right. It's a slap bet. Uh, so James Connor with a shoulder injury. Connor was not listed on the Steelers' final injury report. I can pronounce his name correctly because it's really easy. And he practiced in full on Tuesday. Um, he's not going to practice today uh, because they're playing on Thursday, and Tuesday was their last official practice of the week. He'll be the starting running back against the Browns on Thursday night football. And that's something that was really needed after Pittsburgh struggled to get anything going this past week with all the backups playing. A lot of people thought, let's just go with Jalen Samuels, myself included. But the problem with that is that Samuels is not really a running back. He's not really a between-the-tackles guy. He's an open-spaces guy. He's a, a shifty guy. You can... Uh, put him out in the slot or send him downfield or even put him in as a quarterback. But he's not a guy who should be getting more than, than 10 you know, uh, touches a game running in between tackles. It's not his bag. He's a safe start when the opposing team is going to like score four points on their offense. And it's really only... They really only get credit for three. Well, when you can't run uh, well behind the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, then you're not going to get that opportunity 
continuing. And the Rams forward. did see what he was able to do in the short passing game, and they did shut that down at least. After he had what twelve catches the week before, yeah. Samuels? So, yeah, so nothing nice. against Samuels, but he's still clearly the backup, and with Connor back in, he's going to be the guy that gets the twenty-five touches. Sure, this isn't a situation like when James Connor came in after Le'Veon Bell, and it was like, oh wow, this could actually be something. This could be a guy who's in there. You know, Jalen Samuels getting twelve catches was an aberration. Yep. Uh, moving on to Ty Johnson, and I said we would talk a little bit about this. So the backfield of the Detroit Lions. Uh, he was such a hot waiver wire pickup that I saw him go for twenty, thirty bucks. Well, I should say percents. Uh, percents. Uh, I'm having some problems with pronunciation today. Uh, <laughs> going for twenty to thirty percent of the FAAB budget in leagues that I'm in, and I'm in quite a few. That was one of those things when Kerry and Johnson went down and went on to IR. Everyone said, "Well, it's got to be Ty Johnson. It's got to be next man up," you know. And it's really not. Ty did not do very well uh, filling in for Johnson. And Johnson has, being injured now, been in the concussion protocol after leaving Week 10's game against the Bears early in the first quarter. Um, he's, he's put up 30 or less rushing yards and no touchdowns in any of his games this season. He's gotten a couple of receptions, but nothing really to speak of. So Ty Johnson is not someone that we need to talk about any further. In fact, J.D. McKissick is the better bet in the Detroit backfield anyway. And there's even people not on their depth chart that are doing better than Ty Johnson. Like Paul Perkins is, is looking better than Ty Johnson's. So if you're interested in that so, backfield... So he's not on the team and he's still doing better? Well, he's on the team. <laughs> but on some depth charts, he's not even listed. You know, that that's the kind sure, of... Sure, I see him listed as the number three guy, obviously. And there's also Nick Bowden, uh, the fullback, who I doubt would get any carries. No, there's only a f- one or two fullbacks in the NFL that, that get uh, sent out there. Um, Jeff Driscoll. So the point being, uh, Ty Johnson is not someone that you need to worry about. If you still have him on your team, you can get rid of him. Uh, he's not even going to play this week probably. Um, and J.D. McKissick is the guy there if you have to play someone in desperation or you have a really deep league without the ability to to fill out your running back roster spots. They're playing against Dallas, so that would be a desperation flex for me. But it is someone that you could put out there in the hopes that he would score a touchdown along with his probably you know five or six other points with a couple of receptions. I hope that you've built your team better than needing a desperation flex. You and I both know that this does happen from time to time. I know, especially with bye week <laughs> bullshit. There's three good teams on bye this week, so it could happen for sure. But like the whole point of a flex is that like when you are running out of running backs, you can throw a wide receiver in there. Unless they're so all if you're on running by. out of everyone, then yeah, I mean it's tough. <laughs> you're fucked when you when you look at uh, waiver wire picks, especially in deep leagues. And you and I are in a couple. Let's say you have a league that has uh, twenty plus roster spots, including the bench. Well, then if you're in a ten or twelve league that has that many roster spots, you go out there looking on the waiver wire, and you generally can't find very much uh, of of people with an upside greater than five or six points. So you're just throwing uh, caution to the wind, putting somebody in based on a matchup. Uh, this is not a good matchup versus <laughs> Dallas. Desperation flex, indeed. <laughs> That's exactly right. Black gold dust woman Take your silver spoon And dig your Pick your path and I'll pray 
That's a cool song. It is. I was just going to say that. I, you know, I just discovered that cover about 30 minutes ago. I like the original, um, and I like a lot of the covers. And as you discovered just recently, there's 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 probably like twenty plus covers of that I, song. I so. mean, honestly, <laughs> at least fifty of them that I saw on Spotify. I had no idea that that I know that Fleetwood Mac gets covered all the time, but I had no idea that that was that covered. And I believe it's not even an original Fleetwood Mac song. Well, I don't know about that. I'll tell you why it's a popular cover and why a lot of those kinds of songs are popular because it has a really interesting rhythm and because the chords are really easy. So any band can pick it up and and be like, all right, we're playing this. (laughs) Uh, It is a hard song to sing, but it's not a difficult song to play. Oh, it is... It is a Stevie Nicks song. It was written by Stevie Nicks. The reason I was skeptical is because it was on the Waylon Jennings uh, Willie Nelson album from 1978. But obviously this was released before that and she wrote it. So, Just because Waylon Jennings plays it doesn't mean that he wrote it. I mean, a lot of times country <laughs> songs get remade into all kinds of different stuff. Sure. Uh, let's look at wide receivers. So one, Emmanuel Sanders, traded to the 49ers from the Denver Broncos. He had a rib injury, um, and it was announced yesterday by Kyle Shanahan that Sanders suffered cartilage damage during that rib injury against the Seahawks on Monday night. Now, Shanahan is looking at this as a day-to-day injury that will lead to a game-time decision for their matchup against the Cardinals. Game-time decisions being every fantasy team owner's favorite thing. Especially when they play at, I believe, 3 o'clock Eastern, because they're playing the Cardinals, right? Yeah. And that's definitely not an early game. In week nine, Sanders is able to put up some good numbers against the Cardinals, who they're playing again. He had seven receptions for 112 yards and one touchdown. So he'll be greatly missed in that offense if he's unable to go. Now, Kendrick Bourne had four receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown last week, but is more likely a fantasy fool's gold type of player that found situational success than someone that you should try to acquire and start going forward. And we're going to be talking about some of those guys um, later in the podcast say, Dave, as well. You said the magic word. Yeah, that's the Pee Wee Playhouse. Uh, yes. <laughs> we should watch out for, like, falling shit, yeah. We're all going to start screaming. <laughs> or loud alarms. Please, no loud alarms. I, I, I would appreciate that. <laughs> we'll just get Glenn in here. Oh, boy. Uh, Tyler Lockett, with a leg injury, he was transported to the hospital after Monday night's matchup with the 49ers. He had a severe leg contusion. Uh, not a bone bruise, but just a contusion, uh, but it was pretty bad, according to all reports. And the associated swelling made it so that they were talking about him having all sorts of possible complications, including uh, compartment syndrome, which uh, is one of those things that could even make you lose a limb. Thankfully, that's not the case. The swelling has gone down considerably. Uh, he stayed there for two days while the rest of the team headed back to Seattle and then was flown home in Jody Allen's private jet, which sounds like a nice little trip. Is it Steve Allen's wife? <laughs> it, it, she must be the owner of the team now, then. Right? I believe so, yeah. Okay, after Steve passed away. Steve passed away, away yeah. But, but uh, Steve had done this uh, before, too, which is interesting. Uh, and it makes sense. It's, it's the, the, most, uh, the quickest way to get things done. But he would often fly out uh, his jet when, when team members had to stay behind in the hospital or something like that. I, I was actually curious earlier today, looking at the Tyler Lockett updates, I was like, I wonder how he gets home, because he's not going to go on the team, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. That's obviously back in Seattle. Like, do they just buy him a first-class ticket this morning and send him on his way? Or, nope, apparently it's Jody Allen's private jet. That's right. So, that, fucking... Well, that's not true of all teams. Like, not all teams will go to that uh, length, so it's pretty cool. No, like, the, you know, the owners of the Bears are not billionaires. No. <laughs> not, not by a long shot. Yeah, they're, they're going to send him like a bus or something. Not until they sell the team. Then they'll be billionaires. <laughs> they should sell the team. 
I would be for that. I might become a Bears fan again. Well, good luck there. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Uh, sources close to the team are feeling optimistic about his chances to play against Philadelphia in Week 12 because they have a bye this week. So uh, suffering from a, a rough contusion can take up to two weeks in general to, to get 100%. Uh, this was a particularly bad injury, but it's still not off the uh, the, the, the realm of possibility yeah. that, that he comes back and plays in Week 12. Uh, so peeking forward, this guy is not who we just had a question about in the chat room is not on your list. So I'll ask it now. Um, on T three, two, one wants to know, is Brandon cooks dead? No, he's not dead. He's, okay. He's around. I, I poked him with a stick. He is dead. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the latest news on him was that, uh, he went and saw a specialist. The specialist gave him, uh, advice that he could come back this season. So he's planning to. Um, he's not going to play. He thinks he's already ruled out for week 11, but uh, he plans to to come back as soon as he can start practicing again. I think he's done some limited work, but I don't believe any of that has been uh, an official practice. It's more like a, a Matt Stafford sort of practice. So he's been cleared for limited no-contact practices. There you go. Yeah, it's Josh Reynolds is the guy there, and I assume Cooper Cup is going to uh, come back to life. Because he was dead last week. Well, it all depends who you're playing against. The Steelers killed him. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and that's great. That's great for me. Um, looking at A.J. Green with an ankle injury, still not practicing. It looks like Week 12 may be where A.J. Green and the Bengals medical team are aiming for a return to the field. The Bengals are the worst team by record in the NFL, so there's really no reason for them to hurry Green back. They could shut him down completely this season. Uh, if he's not able to return in the next couple of weeks. However, um, it also makes sense that they might want to bring him out uh, to show that he's healthy, etc., uh, to to have uh, some kind of a possible um, uh, a trade or give him a chance to showcase himself for next season. Um, so we'll see. I do still expect him to play this season, but there's obviously a little bit of bad blood between him and management, and I'm sure that A.J. Green is not chomping at the bit to go out with a backup quarterback and a horrible team. Who is the backup quarterback without looking it up? Me? Yeah, who's starting? Hold on a second. Yeah, uh, I can't think of it either. <laughs> um, it's Brandon Allen. Nope, he's, the, he's in Denver. Right color, also a backup starting. Wrong team. Ryan Finley. Yes, I believe that's correct. <laughs> I, I can consult the depth yeah, chart. Ryan now, Finley's but... a rookie who the Bengals drafted, and they're giving Finley a chance to show what he has because even though Andy Dalton wasn't bad, and we've discussed this uh, a couple weeks ago when he when they made the changing of the guard, right? Uh, it, it must really suck for Andy Dalton to basically be removed from his starting position on his birthday when he wasn't playing badly. Oh, yeah, it was his birthday too. <laughs> Um, Congratulations, Andy! You get the day off and the rest of the year off. Well, yeah, thank you to in, the, in the chat room there for for giving us the right name. And Ryan Finley, the rookie, did not show up very well last week. But hey, I mean, th- he's not given a lot to work with here. No, not at all. I mean, what's he got? A banged up Giovanni Bernard, and I haven't seen uh, Tyler. What's his name? Who's the receiver there? Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I haven't seen Tyler Boyd all year. I mean, they're just not very good right He's now. He's more of a ghost than O.J. Howard. <laughs> um, Will Fuller with a hamstring injury. Fuller, in, in a bit of good news, uh, Fuller, after being out since week seven, is on track to return this week against the Ravens. He was a limited participant in practice today, and his return will likely signal the end of Kenny Stills in the fantasy conversation. I think, though, that he was barely there to begin with, and he was kind of one of those guys that was a fantasy fool's gold person as well. Uh. 
Well, thanks for that. Um, so he had a high yardage showing in week seven with 105 yards uh, when Fuller went out, and he clearly passed Kiki QT in the depth chart. However, it's basically the Hopkins and Fuller show when they're both fully healthy with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. So now I'm looking forward to seeing Deshaun uh, able to do what he really wants to do, which is air the ball out to Will Fuller for one touchdown every game. I mean, I think he likes to go to three touch up to three a game. If you know, I'll take three. If touchdowns. you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, how many good games can we get out of Will Fuller and Watson before Fuller gets injured? Before probably, Fuller pa- falls prob- apart, probably three. Yeah, we got. Uh, <laughs> we already used one of them. That that game might count for two. So maybe one or two. Yeah, <laughs> but but point is, if you own Fuller, uh, you have to play him when he's healthy because he has the ability and the upside that's higher than almost anybody else in the NFL. His ceiling is insane uh-huh. for a guy who is probably available on your waiver wire right now. Yeah, if you're not in a really uh, deep league or a dynasty league, he's gonna be out there because he was gone for so long. I dropped him. You know, I couldn't keep him around on a team with a limited bench. Yep, and I don't fault you for that. Uh, T.Y. Hilton with an ankle injury, still sidelined, sat out of practice today. If he doesn't get onto the practice field on Thursday or Friday, he'll miss Week 11's game against the Jaguars. Zach Pascal continues to fill in, and he's an interesting play with Brissett back at quarterback. Brissett, again, is supposed to play. Uh, We already heard from the coach that he's going to. So we're, we're taking him at his word. No La- more hire the destroyer of the Colts. Last week's pair of catches for 26 yards should just get burned up along with the rest of the tape. Uh, Hoyer was horrible, and so was everyone else on the team because of that quarterback play. I think that, um, that Pascal will be a lot better this week if Hilton doesn't play as long as Brissett is back. So he is someone that you can put on your radar again as a, a flex play or even a WR3 if you're, Mr. Pascal. if you're in desperation. I would like to see T.Y. Hilton back because he's clearly a lot better, but I don't think he's going to play this week. doesn't look like that's going to happen. No, I think he's going to be out for several more weeks, in fact. like You might get him back for the fantasy playoffs. Oh, man, I, I expect him back well before then. But, but yes, multiple week absence. Really? Um, well, based on my research, I would consider him uh, a lock to come back by week 13. Uh, I mean, I was just saying one week farther. We're not too far off. No, no. Uh, I guess you're right. Uh, He could come back week 12. I mean, if there's a surprise, maybe he comes back this week, but that's not... Nothing I saw said that would happen. He's had a bunch of different injuries this year. Didn't he have the injury where they almost almost tore his quad off the bone or something like that? Something like that. Earlier in the year, and like... They were worried about putting him back out on the field. They were worried about his quad falling off. Yeah, yeah. I thought like it was almost really serious. <laughs> I, you know, I tend to think that sometimes they uh, exacerbate some of these things. Uh, Dave, but, but, the NFL <laughs> and especially the coaches never lie about the injury status of their players. Yeah, they would. They would do never that. do that. Um, D.D. Westbrook with a shoulder injury. This is good news, too. He returned to practice on Wednesday uh, and to a changed Jaguar offense in locker room with Nick Foles back at the helm over your favorite, Gardner Minshew. I want to pour one out for my homie, but he'll be back. Well, don't pour it on my computer. Well, you you have carpet or, like, I don't have many choices here. Uh, Westbrook will be a highly targeted receiver. When you look at his his game log for, for this season... With um, with Minshew, and it, they're mostly going to be running uh, the same offense uh, because because Minshew was uh, 
running that, that same offense, at least we're told that he was. We didn't get a lot of a chance to see Foles. Yeah, we got about a quarter of Nick Foles, and then it was all Minshew mania. What we can see is that the targets for Westbrook are high. I like Foles. He's good at airing the ball out. I don't see any reason why there isn't room for both Shark and Westbrook to be good receivers. I think this is a sneaky grab. I think that Westbrook could easily be a wide receiver three for the rest of the year, if not a wide receiver two, depending on who Foles likes better. This is one of those circumstances that uh, a, a returning quarterback could end up with chemistry with Westbrook more than with Shark. Even though you've seen Shark do so well, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's obviously not. But sometimes when you get the quarterbacks coming back, there's someone they like throwing to more than the other guy based on their personal styles. Sure. I don't know that Nick Foles, having joined the team in the offseason this year and played one quarter, is going to have much of the favorites playing to go to worry about. Well, I'm saying we'll see who he likes better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, right. It's completely up in the air. But I, I mean, I got to assume that they're going to be. The, the the offense is going to be running through DJ Chark more than D.D. Westbrook. Well, if you look at his targets, he's got a ton of targets every game. Yeah, so, he definitely does. So which one does better, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm not throwing shade at Chark, and, and believe me, I'm not trying to do that. But I am letting everyone know here that if you don't pick up D.D. Westbrook now because he's available on a lot of waiver wires, you're not going to get him next week. Yeah, so the Colts have been pretty solid against um, wide receivers as a whole, since their bye week in week six, the only big game they've given up is to DeAndre Hopkins, who, you know, if you give up a big game to DeAndre this year, obviously it's kind of a big deal, but for the most part, that's always going to happen. So they have uh, done a pretty good job at shutting down uh, guys lately. Um, So I don't know. I would maybe pick up DD and hold him uh, until next week. Well, I mean, we're not talking about rankings right now, uh, although feel free to go check out my rankings at fantasypros.com. And at drink5.com, you can see my actual rankings because they mask them and only include them with uh, multiples that are selected. Um, But I have to change them up probably tomorrow morning thinking about all the games and all the injuries uh, that have come out and been reported today. So for me, i got to tell you, Wednesday and Thursday are probably my, my busiest days of the week. Yeah. Because uh, writing up and doing all the research of all these injuries, uh, and then having to do all of the, the rankings over again, basically, because I do them on Tuesday, but then I do them again on Thursday. On Thursday, there's a lot of changes. And you got to do them all over again on Sunday. Well, thankfully, uh, since practice has already happened for a number of days, there's less changes on Sunday. That's true. You just have to worry about the game time changes. Yeah. But those, I mean, I'd, I'd consider doing a podcast just on rankings. What's so interesting is, of course, the dominoes, right? If you take someone away who's inactive or out or doubtful, then what happens to the rest of the team? And how do you determine team by team uh, just how much those other players may rise up? It's difficult. It's interesting. Um, So, yeah, that's it for receivers, unless you have anyone you want to touch on. No, I'm pretty happy with that. We we talked about Mr. Cooks. (laughs) I was giving Cooks a break. He needs a break. He does. Don't mess with them in concussions, boys. All right, good songs once again. If you know the theme, please email us and let us know what that is. You may win a prize. Well, someone will win a prize. Someone will win a prize. It may be you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Radio Voice. <laughs> uh, tight ends, and there's a couple, and, and I think there may be more tight ends that we're going to talk about here than there generally are, and that's because of two big injuries and one disappointing uh, injury. I, I have to pour one out for my guy here. Well, I, I only have so many beers. <laughs> <laughs> Stop pouring things out. This guy, my carpet's going to need to be cleaned after this. If anybody knows any anybody I can call. Um, we're going to talk about Austin Hooper, and both Jason and I own Austin Hooper. He is a guy who... Three leagues. You're going to hear this a lot, uh, probably so probably next year, as we begin next year in like all of the fantasy wrap-ups uh, and, and preambles, you're going to hear, through week 10 of 2019, Hooper led all tight ends and catches with 56. Uh, yes, I read Reddit as well today. <laughs> <laughs> Hooper will reportedly be out for about a month with an MCL sprain, according to Ian Rappaport. And he had an impressive season so far, and he helped a lot of people uh, get the wins that they needed to enter the playoffs. Uh, he may still be relevant in the last few weeks of fantasy playoff matches, so I wouldn't consider dropping him at this point. Um, they, they're they not expected, uh, he's not expected to be out beyond four weeks. Of course, anything can happen between here and MCL sprain, but uh, he's not currently expected to be out longer than a month, which means that he could come back for the fantasy playoffs in week 14 through 16. Um, and Jason, that's good news for you. You own him. Uh, you have him in the playoffs. You can bring him right back in there, uh, and it should be good news. Nah. So in week 15, Austin Hooper and the, the rest of his team uh, are playing the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> that's rough. So I'm not pulling him. I'm not putting him in San Francisco for the. Uh, you know, for the return of, you know, his return is not going to be against the freaking San Francisco. What you're saying is you might need to wait till the championship game so, to play the hoop. Week 16 schedule. The hoopster. It looks like Hoopography. they are playing. I mean, are you going to put him in for the final for just one game? That seems kind of risky. <laughs> I don't know why it would be risky. I mean, Falcons, I, I, where are the dirty birds? According to what I've read, they play the Jaguars. He'll be so. out. He'll be out for four weeks. If he's out for four weeks, then that puts him out for week 11, 12, 13, and fourteen. So if you let him try his best uh, and see how healthy he is versus the 49ers, then you certainly put him in week sixteen. I'm not dropping him. Sure, I'm, if he plays well. Yeah, look, I mean, on a short bench, it sounds like he's ready to drop the hoop. I am. <laughs> It sucks. I am. Oh, that's that's disappointing. Okay, so I had a team. Here's my two scenarios. I won't bore you too long with them. Just a little bit of boring. No, we can do a toast to Austin Hooper in a second. Yeah, we will drink to Austin Hooper. But I have him on a team with Travis Kelsey. So I'm fine there. I can get rid of Hooper and free something else up, or I can hold him. It's not a big deal. But on a team where I have a really short bench, I, I feel like I need to drop him because I otherwise I'm going to have to drop like a good player that's playing right now. Uh, you know, just to get a tight end for the week. So if anyone is in that league and can hear my voice, please just help me and trade with me. Ignore the fact that I'm eight and two. Thank you. Cheers to ignore. Awesome just ignore that fact. Just help him. I don't think anyone's going to help the eight and two team. That's usually what happens. I could find another one of the cheers to the hoop. I need to like trade with the other first place teams. <laughs> oh, that was some scotch for the hoop. Hey, hoop scotch. Uh, I see what you did there. 
Thanks. Appreciate that. So uh, I do think there's value in hanging on to him. But if you have a small bench, like all of these kinds of players, unless they are like uh, just knock it out of the box, rock star, um, uh, like someone like Patrick Mahomes that gets injured and then he'll have a chance to come back in 14-15, then you can drop them and not feel so bad about it until week 15 and 16 when Hooper scores when you 15 feel really points. Bad about it. Look, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to keep someone at a position... It's going to be the best tight end because tight end is so shitty and it's so hard to get people. You're already going to have to like stream stuff, so yeah, you know. It, and streaming stuff is illegal, you know. Well, unless you're paying for it. <laughs> so at Disney Plus, Evan Engram uh, with a foot injury. Now this is interesting to me. So we talked about this last week, and uh, Engram's injury is a little mysterious to me. So one of it, my other leagues, Dave, is Austin Hooper and Evan Engram. Well, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Drop both of them. I actually traded Austin Hooper today, but that's a completely different story. That I don't, we can we can rule that in off season fantasy football court. Yeah, it'd be fun to do like a kangaroo court podcast where we just talk about weird situations. Yeah, and how we resolved it, and how maybe you'd want to change it, or have people write us in with the situations that they had to deal with, and we can decide how they should have ruled. I think there is all the way a shout out to uh, a podcast that's like a commissioner podcast, and that's really interesting too. You should take a listen to that one. Oh, fantastic. Um, where all they're doing is that kind of stuff. Like, here's a situation or two. How how would you possibly deal with it going into detail about it? That That's like a podcast made for me. <laughs> well... <laughs> It's giving me thoughts about uh, you know uh, possibly breaking into that territory. All right, but I wonder how many how many commissioners are are actually good enough to be listening to a, a show like that. You know, I got to imagine most commissioners are into fantasy football enough to listen to podcasts about fantasy football. So it's only one more mag- order of magnitude of like dorkiness <laughs> to want to listen to a podcast about running fantasy football. So what you're saying is it's probably in the the hundreds of people. Literally, literally, <laughs> there's hundreds. Of literally, us. hundreds. Uh, so Evan Engram's injury is a little mysterious. A midfoot sprain, uh, and like we talked about last week, a midfoot sprain can doesn't always mean, but can mean a Liz Frank injury, was similar to the one that Cam Newton had, for example, that basically has sidelined has. him for for yes. <laughs> we'll always you didn't have magically cure Cam Newton. Oh, you just wait till he's the quarterback of the Bears next year and he can't move. I thought that was going to be Ryan Tannehill. Oh, good luck, man. There's going to be like eight different quarterbacks. No, wait. It's going to be Colin Kaepernick. They're just going to... Let's not get into any of this. You're the one who wants to start the Colin Kaepernick podcast every week asking, why isn't he a quarterback in the league? Oh, I just want to know why. I just... No one's... In two years, I haven't gotten a good answer. Well, I've told you the right answer. You've told me an answer. It's because he's not good enough. I don't agree with you. Well, let's keep that for the Kaepernick podcast. I have two words for you, Dave. More than two, but... Jeff and Driscoll. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's wait for the Kaepernick cast. We can talk about it next week after he's been signed by a team. Cap cast? K cast? You're going to have to talk about him some point. He's not going to be signed by a team. Uh, he will. No. You couldn't even remember the name of the Bengals quarterback. I, I did. Mean, I did remember it. Okay, but not right away. There's so much bad quarterbacking. He's a rookie. There's so much bad quarterbacking in this league. But, but draft capital is more important. Uh, having a guy go out there that could be the future is more important than hiring uh, you know, a, a guy who uh, was washed out and then perhaps built a canoe. Yeah, but you need backups. As I said, uh, let's, let's return to that. Built a canoe. But, but Colin I'll, Kaepernick... I'm going to chew on that for a little while. Go ahead. He was offered a backup position, which he did not accept. I think it's different now that the case is settled. We have to stop talking about uh, on the K-Cast. That's fine. So, 
Um, canoe. <laughs> so the mysterious uh, canoe, I mean midfoot sprain, <laughs> that appears to get worse each time Pat Shermer is asked about it. Um, we understand, right? The Giants have a bunch of problems. This is just one more problem. And I'm sure that Shermer doesn't want to keep talking about it and revisiting it. But I think that Evan Engram is either going to go on IR because he's simply not able uh, uh, to to get healthy after this injury. Or uh, they're just lying to us for whatever reason and he'll be healthy next week. You know, I, I don't feel like it's an injury that's going to take three to four weeks and he'll get better. It's either there uh, some kind of misdirection involved with this, or he's out for the season. Are they? I mean, it's maybe the Giants are as bad handling things medically as the Redskins. Well, it's looking like it because it certainly seems like two of their best players should probably not be playing right now. Yeah. Obviously, Ingram is not, and but like. Ingram and Barkley should probably just be shut down for the year. Let's let Daniel Jones get some more snaps and start over next year with Daniel Jones having a complete camp. It looks like he's got a lot of talent, and I think that the Giants can be a much better team next year. But if they ruin their players this year, they're really going to regret it. Well, as always happens, these guys want to succeed now because their jobs are on the line. And they are getting you know yelled at by their bosses, and that's how the corporate world always works. There's right. tiers of bosses, there's tiers of yelling, uh, and, and every person that's a little bit higher in the corporate ladder yells a little bit louder. Shit rolls downhill. Yeah, and so the shit is just sliding right now all the way downhill for the Giants. Yeah, and Evan Ingram, or Saquon Barkley is going to slip on it and tear his ACL. I'm just and saying. And not be back until, like, November of next year. Don't be surprised if Saquon and Ingram, like, go on IR in the next couple of weeks. That's what I'm saying should happen. I agree with you. Like, like this week it should happen. But it won't happen this week. I, hey, you know what? <laughs> If they're trying that damn hard to win another game, maybe they just want me to win the pizza at the end of the year. Yeah, well, we do have an important pizza bet about this Giants-Redskins situation. Yes, yes, there are three wins between those two teams. It's very important. It's been very exciting this year. And now it's Haskins and McLaurin all the way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. And you get Jones and Tate. Woo! Well, the Giants and the Redskins play again still. Oh, that'll be a fun game. We should do something for that That'll be a suck fest. Yeah. Uh, Chris Herndon with a rib injury. Disappointing follow-up for a breakout rookie oh, that's season. Week 16, Herndon can't get healthy this year, and that's the whole story, uh, period, the end, Elfine. Ryan Griffin is what's interesting about this story, because Griffin has had big games, he's shown sparks, and he'll probably be a tight end, too, to acquire before he blows up again. Now, I still believe that the Jets are um, are innately a good team with the pieces that they have. You've seen this, for example, last week with Sam Darnold throwing to Jameson Crowder a whole bunch. Um, when he is is has self-confidence about him, uh, the Jets can be good. Now, it's a little more difficult for Bell because of the offensive line and Bell's injuries, but I would expect that any tight end that's out there that's getting all the snaps on that Jets team with Sam Darnold throwing the ball to him could easily become a a top tight end two or a low tight end one. Let's temper our expectations here. The Jets were playing the Giants last week, who we just got finished roasting. So, I mean, you know, the Jets have made it to two wins now. Woo! Um, you know, <laughs> Sam Darnold had 230 yards and one touchdown last week. I don't, you know, I don't see him lighting up the world like everybody says he can. I'm not I saying lighting the problem, up the world. Well, I think that the problem is that their coaching staff is absolutely terrible. Well, just I, I'm only talking about tight ends right now. So, I know, I know. So, like, Ryan Griffin uh, the previous week um, had a, a big touchdown that got called back. 
Um, that's happened a couple of times where uh, there were big things for Griffin that didn't pan out or uh, there were issues in uh, the game script, uh, etc., that weren't working or Sam Darnold had bad quarterback play. I still think that towards the end of the season, yes, the Jets are not like vying for playoff bursts or anything, but I, I think Sam Darnold is a quarterback able to place the ball in the right location. So if you're looking for tight ends <laughs> in this in this landscape, that is not great. Ryan Griffin is someone who you should look for. Now, granted, I, I'm looking at that uh, in a perspective of uh, not only redraft leagues with a, with a small bench, but also um, a big leagues that, that have two tight end spots and dynasty leagues, etc. Uh, I don't know that Herndon is going to be one of those guys that uh, uh, doesn't just not make it, you know, where, where he's not, unable to get healthy for a stretch uh, for two years and then he just falls off the face of the earth. Ryan Griffin looks good. He looks like a, a good uh, receiving tight end. So, yeah. so not 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 applicable in in small redraft uh, formats. No, and you know, anytime you get a team that had to start Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk for like three games this year, you know, this is more KCast material. I wasn't going to say his name, Dave. I didn't either. Yeah. George Kittle with a knee injury. Kyle Shanahan already declared Kittle out, and which is a pretty funny story, uh, at a press conference <laughs> for Week 11's matchup against the Cardinals, and then immediately afterwards backtrack and said, or maybe he'll start. I don't know. Oh, that's even more fun. <laughs> so I, I guess there's still room for Kittle to practice and play this week. Um, and he is, he's ruled out and then not ruled out, so we'll see what that means. But ultimately, need a ruling on this. Ultimately, if you saw the game uh, on Monday, uh, Kittle wasn't even on the field. He was up in in one of like the high rise boxes, and I think that's probably because um, they didn't want him walking around, uh, you know, with, oh. with the knee injury, etc. Yes, I mean, you stand on the sidelines, somebody could just come running off the field and take you out. So I, I'm not a, on purpose. Of I don't know this for a fact, but I don't understand why he wouldn't be on the sidelines as opposed to in the skybox. So I well, th- it could be a case of like the owner just wants to invite him up to chat him to chat up one of his star players. But but he wasn't even there. Like it was. I mean, maybe he was, but Kittle was just like like a like a kid. Did you see the game? I did not see any clips from that. No. They they switched to Kittle all the time. He was just like oh, yeah, up was, against it was the on skybox. Thursday night, right? Uh, last week? No, this was this was the big game, man. This is oh, this was the Monday night game. Yeah, oh, that's right, versus right, the Seahawks. Right. Yeah, yeah. This was the big. This was the big dog. That's who the, okay. So Kittle was just sitting up there, like with his with his hands pressed against the glass, like super excited because it was an amazing game. I was trying my best to ignore the announcers on Monday Night Football. <laughs> well, okay. Regardless of your issues with uh, announcers, it was an amazing game, and Kittle was in the skybox the whole time. And I think that that may be indicative of him not being completely healthy. Um, I think we see him out for one more week. Um, and backup Ross Dwelly would be the guy to have the game of his life against the worst defense in the NFL at covering tight ends. So even though we don't always advise this, you know, don't always just play the backup of someone's position because there's probably, um, in general, there's probably somebody else from a different team that has a higher value than the backup of the guy that you were going to play. Yes. However, in this particular situation, I don't mind playing Ross Dwelly against the Cardinals. Because I know that they're going to give him the opportunity to do well. Because, uh, well, because San Francisco knows, just like every other team in the NFL knows, that the Cardinals don't cover tight ends. <laughs> the Cardinals aren't that great on offense in general. Um, 
But they are good against the run, I believe. I mean, they're putting up plenty of points, and you can see Kyler Murray. Oh no, stats. they're giving up the eleventh most points to running backs. So I don't know. I expect them. I expect San Francisco to run the shit out of the ball. Well, of course game. they will. But but it would be stupid for any team not to take advantage of the weak points in a, in a defense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, the no no tight ends have really um, exploited the Cardinals lately because they don't have teams with like big tight end guys. So. You know, they've gone from giving up like 18 points a game to only 15 points a game. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, if Ross Dwelly scores 10 points, that's still a, a lot compared to where you could be in the tight end uh, wasteland. Oh, for just being able to pick up a random person? Yeah. And I'm going to keep that in mind because I'm an Austin Hooper owner. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Ryan Griffin, uh, Ross Dwelly for this particular week. There's a lot of guys that you could play that could do well right now. Um, so... Uh, I, I want to close just by saying that that even though George Kittle could have scored 30 points for us this particular week for those George Kittle owners, it's probably better for his long-term health and your long-term uh, fantasy ability Stan- sanity this week that he sits out again um, and is able to be 100% healthy going forward into the end stretch and playoffs. Yes, indeed. Okay, so uh, we want to dive into a segment that we have done in years past called Fantasy Fool's Gold. Um, so has someone impressed you in the last few weeks and you're not sure what to think of them? Uh, are some players not living up to what their numbers really say they are? Um, or do you think they won't anyways? So we're going to talk about some players who have been performing well, either the last four games or just last week or some sort of stretch of time where they've been playing very well, but ultimately I believe them to be Fantasy Fool's Gold and they are uh, just ready to let you down when you finally start them. <laughs> so I've got Marvin Jones, the wide receiver in Detroit. Uh, over the last four games, I believe Dave is going to disagree because he just spoke highly of him earlier, and he's shaking his head for those of you who can't see while you're hearing. Uh, but he scored 15.45 points per game on average over the last four games, which is third highest among all wide receivers. Standard scoring on all of these stats, by the way. Um, so this is mostly due to two big games and then two very mediocre games. So he's been up and down all season. Six of his nine games have 7.7 points or fewer. Uh, now that Matt Stafford's banged up and he's not going to be playing as much, I think the questionable, uh, or then his perform- his production is questionable with Jeff Driscoll just because it's Jeff Driscoll. Um, so three of the last six games on Marvin Jones's slate are against teams in the top five of fewest wide receiver points allowed. So I don't like Marvin Jones going forward. Uh, if you're nearing the trade deadline and you want to trade him after a big game and sell to someone that he'll be good with Jeff Driscoll, more power to you. Uh, I do not like starting Marvin Jones, especially because of his schedule over the last uh, few weeks. So I would keep him on your bench. I believe that this week, in fact, he has a really tough matchup. Um, you got that in front of you there, Dave? No, I don't. You do not. Uh, Marvin Jones. So did you start Marvin Jones anywhere last week? Yes. Was that out of desperation or because you thought that he would be better with Driscoll? Uh, can there be anywhere in between those two answers? Of course, but I, you know, I mean, he's not necessarily a, uh, an every week starter. Like I said, he's only got 
three games where he's like put up decent numbers. Everything else has been really weak. I'm not going to defend Marvin Jones, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. What you're basically saying is that Marvin Jones is boom or bust. What I just got done saying in the injury report was that Jeff Driscoll did show some decent chemistry with Marvin Jones, and I wasn't disappointed by his performance because I played him in PPR. So I believe he still scored over 10 points. Sure, he had 5 for 77, so that would have been 12. And that's not really disappointing for a WR3. I think that's fine. I'm saying that he will disappoint you in the future. <laughs> this week he plays Dallas. Dallas is very good against wide receivers. He also has Chicago and Denver I, I, on I the don't, schedule coming up. I don't disagree with your with with what you're saying, that, that he'll have another uh, game or two that's not very good. I do disagree um, that he won't have another big game, for example. But I, I'm going to totally agree with you in solidarity that he is a boomer bust receiver this year uh and that if you're looking for someone to be on trend in a consistent fantasy producer for your team then you shouldn't be looking at marvin jones yes so a guy who has been trending up is jarvis landry uh wide receiver for cleveland but i say don't be fooled he's still a cleveland brown and the cleveland browns are bad and they're going to show it again this week you said it i'm so happy for you well i you know i call him like they like i see him dave so Landry has been getting a lot of targets, so he's still worth some PPR consideration, kind of like you were talking about Jones there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, uh, a side note, I think we should discuss changing our standard to PPR because that seems to be the standard kind of league nowadays. Standard what? Uh, like the default kind of league, a PPR league. What uh, What are you referring like PP- to? I'm saying that um, perhaps next year we could start doing PPR as our default scoring rather than standard because that seems to be the way that fantasy football as a whole is going. You're talking about uh, the the league that we have for Drink Five. Yes, and then like as you know, as we refer to things on the website, are generally standard. I think so uh, for fantasy pros. Not always, for but... example, uh, in the years past, and I've been affiliated with them for quite some time. Uh, to do the rankings that are that are then analyzed, and they give you expert accuracy numbers, etc. Uh, they were always about standard rankings, and they switched this past year to half PPR as the standard at which they judge you on. So now when I do rankings, I do them for half PPR and not for standard. And then they just apply math to them to give you standard and PPR rankings? Yeah, half PPR is what I put in, and, okay. and then... Um, uh, that is my favorite. It's it's algorithmically changed for the other two. Um, now, it's just a mouthful. Well, you can, uh, and other experts can as well, go in and, and put in custom rankings for standard, for example. Um, but yeah, when you put in half PPR rankings, it will just automatically create for you those those standard and PPR from the middle. But that's a, a fundamental change that they've done this particular year, where now they're focusing on half PPR rather than standard. So I agree with you. I think we should probably at least move to half PPR, if not PPR, um, as a standard way to uh, to approach things and talk about analytics. We need to come up with a clever nickname for half PPR, like two for one or something like that. It's too too much, too much to say. It, it need it, it's <laughs> by default more than saying PPR. Therefore, it won't catch on as easily. Yeah. So, anyways, back to Jarvis Landry. Um, I think he, that you're going to want to leave him on his bench for most of his upcoming matchups. Uh, especially this week against Pittsburgh. So he's averaging 11.1 points per game in his last four games. That's good as the 11th best wide receiver over that period of time. Coming up, he's playing the Steelers not only this week, but again in week 13. He plays the Ravens in week 16. 
So he has a couple of teams that they can run all over, like Miami and Cincinnati. So I, I don't... And they have a great running game now with Chubb, and they just added Kareem Hunt. I'd avoid starting Landry, and I'd try to sell high on him because he was trending up. So you can really sell people on that. Um, but if we were doing the trends uh, topic that we have done on previous episodes, I would say that this is not a trend that is going to last. This is not one that you should buy into. It's one that you should avoid, if at all possible. Cash in on it, you know, if you can. That would be the best case scenario, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think about Landry? Um, again, it's going to be a difficult, uh, person to determine whether or not you're starting him. But in most cases, uh, if you have three wide receivers in a league, you're going to be starting Landry as the third wide receiver, unless you're completely stacked at, at the position. Um, I uh, agree with, with all of what you said, and I find it difficult, uh, to start him. In fact, we've talked about cutting him before because of that exact same problem. So regardless, regardless of a trend, uh, it's more of the Browns trending down in general, and I don't, I don't know where they're going. It's, it's a very tumultuous situation, and so Landry gets caught up in that. But if you're in a PPR league, I would still start him because of the volume of targets that he's still getting. If you're in a standard or half PPR league, I would consider uh, trading um, or, or benching him. All right, so Darius Slayton is wide receiver for the Giants. He has two two touchdown games in the last three weeks, and he's also got two games uh, under three fantasy points in his last four. So he went 2.8, 17, 0.6, 24. So this is like Marvin Jones on crack, um, you know, with his up-and-down game. So last week, Slayton had 10 receptions, way up from his previous season high of four. So I think that that's kind of like an aberration. I He's gone the whole year without anything close to 10 catches. I don't see him doing that again, um, especially in the next few games. He has def- matchups against some tough defenses. He plays uh, Chicago and Green Bay. Then he plays Philadelphia. Now, I, I want to say something about Philly. They were really torched for having a terrible, terrible secondary, but they have turned it around in the last few weeks. They were number one by a lot uh, in terms of giving up fantasy points. They've moved all the way down to number six. Uh, that's in large part because... Um, since they got torched by Stefan Diggs, uh, they gave up 106 yards to Amari Cooper and 41 and a touch to Cole Beasley, and that's about it. So the last three games, they've been a lot better. You know, that was against Dallas, who has a good passing defense or offense, Buffalo, who has good receivers, and Chicago, who um, they can't throw the ball. So, <laughs> you know, we give them a pass there. Uh, they are on by um, next week, I believe. The uh, or this week the Giants are on by this week. Yeah. Um, so Darius Slayton not owned in a whole lot of fantasy leagues. I don't believe he's only owned in twenty percent of leagues. But it is up ten percent from the last day. Um, I don't like him going forward this year. I think in dynasty he's a must own. He was probably drafted uh, late first round, early second round. In fact, if you have a dynasty league, the problem with with saying anything against him is what I just mentioned about Evan Engram and what we talked about last week with Sterling Shepard. They're both out, and they both might not even return. They're going to lose. Well, we know that Shepard is definitely out. Probably, I think for the rest of the year. Didn't he get put on the IR? I don't. I don't know. I think. Well, I thought I saw that last. Both week. both him and Cooks were in a similar situation, and I didn't see him get on the IR. Someone said he did. I don't. You can you can tell me. I, I, I said that he did. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. I don't. Um, I don't think he's on IR. Sterling Shepard. Yeah, the last was that he was inactive. Um, 
He's he's just going through the same concussion protocol issues with seeing a specialist. He saw the same specialist in Pittsburgh, in fact, that Brandon Cooks did. Um, but with Shepard out now and maybe out for the rest of the season, with Evan Engram out now and maybe out for the rest of the season, there, there's really only Golden Tate and Darius Slayton, and Slayton's the outside guy. So it's difficult for me to, to say that he's fool's gold, but I will say that the Giants are horrible, and there's lots of reasons why you shouldn't play uh, you know, a, a new unproven receiver for a horrible team. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but I agree with you when you're talking about Dynasty, etc. Um, he's someone to look at going forward. Uh, and so, again, a lot of these guys that you're mentioning are kind of boomer bust guys, and, and that would be a similar definition to Fantasy Fool's Gold, the way I would look at it, as uh, someone looking at a, a, a two-game trend or a couple big games and saying, i got to play him every week, when you know if you play a couple of these guys at the wrong time, it could, it could give you a loss. Sure, it is uh, what one of the fantasy podcasts I listen to. I won't steal it, but I will give them props for this term, deceiving yards. <laughs> sure. Alone on a hill The man with the foolish grin Is keeping perfectly still But nobody wants to know him They can see that he's just a fool And he never gives an answer But the fool on the hill Sees the sun so at, wide, at running back, I only really had um, wide receivers and running backs. I couldn't pick out a good quarterback or tight end candidate. All the tight ends got injured on me, and most of the quarterbacks as well. So Latavius Murray, uh, running back for the Saints, um, it looks like the Saints forgot how to run the ball last week. Murray had only five rushes for 12 yards. It's just absolutely not what you expect out of a guy like Latavius Murray. Um I don't expect him to reach uh, the kind of levels he had before the Saints buy anymore for the rest of the year either. Over his last four games, Murray was averaging 18.87 points, mostly due to the absence absence of Alvin Kamara. Completely due to the absence. 100%. You know, he did not play in any of those games where he played really well. Um, coming up, they do have a rough schedule. All but one of their matchups are in the top half of teams giving up the fewest points to opposing running backs. So Murray has a very bad floor, in my opinion. He has five games of 3.4 points or fewer this year. So that's a terrible floor. This is another one of the boomer bust guys. And he was more predictable because he was booming when other players were not playing. Uh, So now that Alvin Kamara is back, they play Tampa Bay, who is actually very good against running backs right now. I think this is a good example of the fool's gold, and and the only reason why he did well at all was because of Alvin Kamara's absence when he was used as the primary ball carrier and uh, and receiver. Uh, you know, five receptions in week seven and nine in week eight. Uh, he he was targeted twelve times in week eight versus Arizona, and yeah. he went immediately back to two points. So those people that that think it was a fluke game, it's not a fluke game. He's going to score between zero and eight points. Uh, that's all you're going to get from him. He may vulture a touchdown, but that's it. Uh, well, I mean, from from weeks two to to six, uh, that's what he scored was was an average yes, of like three like points, nothing, yeah. And that's what he'll get again. Yep. So Jordan Howard, the running back on Philadelphia, is averaging twelve point three three points a game for his last four games. That's twelfth highest among running backs over that time. Howard has seen a lot more usage lately, and he hasn't broken a hundred yards on the ground yet. So um, Jordan Howard is a guy who I never really like on 
uh, Chicago. Well, let's leave your personal feelings for Jordan. Well, Howard I don't mean this. it like that. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I always felt like he could have done more. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I felt like he was inconsistent. Like, I couldn't rely on him to always have a good floor. Granted, he did wind up with uh, some pretty gaudy rushing numbers, so um, I, I can't argue that he was bad, necessarily. I just didn't care for him as a fantasy player. Um, but yeah, he hasn't reached 100 yards yet this year. He has had a couple of good games in the last two weeks, and that's kind of a theme here. I'm looking at these guys who've had good games who I don't think will be doing well coming up now. Uh, that being said... Jordan Howard is a guy who I recommend benching all year. However, the next two weeks, you cannot start him. He is playing New England and then Seattle. Both of those teams are very good against the running backs, especially New England, who is only giving up 10.5 fantasy points to opposing running backs as a whole per game. That means like all of the running backs on a team in any given game. Um, and that's their average. So I say that you sit Jordan Howard for these last couple games. He has some good matchups later on in the year, like Miami and the Giants and Washington. Uh, a nice little stretch there, 13, 14, and 15. So he's going to find your way, his way back in your lineup at some point. Um, he's not as much fool's gold, but he's like bronze at best. <laughs> Certainly he's he's had uh, some good games throughout the, uh, throughout the year, and a lot of that has to do with the touchdowns. Uh, he's been scoring some touchdowns. And... Sure, he had the three-touchdown game against the uh, Packers. Um, but, you know, well, I want to see more production in a yards-per-carry sense. He scored 10 or more points in the standard scoring league in every game he scored a touchdown in, which is not difficult, but he scored no, a touchdown in a lot of games. 9.7 in Week 3 when he had a touchdown and only 37 yards rushing. I, I suppose. it's I'm rounding. So sorry for the, <laughs> sorry for the rounding error. But... But you're right. I, I think the main problem here is not uh, necessarily that Jordan Howard is a bad running back, but that the Eagles uh, utilize several running backs, and they do it every game. So Miles Sanders is used. Um, when Sproles is healthy, Sproles is used. Uh, there are other pieces that rotate in. So because they are generally doing a running back by committee, other than the between the tackles, of which he has not, as you mentioned, broken 100 yards um, uh, you know, from rushing, then uh, he is not someone to play over specifically in Week 11 versus New England. Um, but uh, I think that most people are ranking him as such as well. For example, I have him ranked as number 26, um, which is three fewer than uh, the ECR for uh, Fantasy Pros, which is the expert consensus ranking. So basically for me, he's like an RB3 so you could play him as a as a flex, but you shouldn't expect a lot, especially not. He's uh, better than your desperation flex earlier, <laughs> especially not this week versus <laughs> New England. So yeah, bronze is a good, uh, it's an apt description, and that he has been playing well, due mostly to touchdowns, but he's still a member of an of a running back by committee on the Eagles versus uh, possibly the best defense in the NFL. Okay, so Ronald Jones, the running back in Tampa Bay. Um, I feel like we've heard this all before from the Bucks. They want to get Ronald Jones the ball, and then they don't. And then they start feeding Ronald Jones the ball, and then it all falls over crashing. So they want him to be the lead back, and then they use Peyton Barber inexplicably for the first, like, three quarters of a game. Um, it works for a few weeks, and then it doesn't. And mostly because Jameis Winston, at some point, is going to throw four interceptions, and they're going to be down by three scores, and they're not going to want to run the ball at all. Uh, especially with a guy like Bruce Arians calling the plays, and he loves to throw the ball. So they're going to forget about Jones for a few weeks, and I believe we are at that point in the cycle where Jameis Winston is going to turn the ball over a lot because they go to New Orleans, or 
New Orleans is coming to Tampa next this week, but it, it doesn't matter where the game is played. New Orleans wins this upcoming matchup ten times out of ten if they play the game on the damn moon. Um, on the moon. Yeah, I don't care. So <laughs> Jameis Winston might even be like a, a native moonian or loonian. Uh, uh, anyways, they would still lose because New Orleans is really pissed about losing to the Falcons last week, and uh, Sean Payton is not the kind of coach that is going to let that shit fly. They are going to crush Tampa Bay this week. Um, Jameis Winston is going to turn the ball over a lot. They will not be able to use Ronald Jones, and it's going to jump into the cycle of, well, they're panicking and they're not going to run the ball as much. So the Bucks play the Saints, who haven't given up more than 13.1 points to any running back all season. So definitely you bench him this week. I don't think that you're going to want to start him much going forward because he has bad matchups, and he was probably not your starting running back for most of the season anyways. So this isn't one of those sneaky end-of-the-year plays. If you've got him in the last couple weeks, good for you. That's fantastic. He only plays one team in the top ten of uh, giving up fantasy points to opposing running backs. I believe that's Detroit in Week 15. These are similar statistics to, for example, uh, a Jordan Howard in that he hasn't had over 100 rushing yards. He's scored double-digit fantasy points several times, but but generally only when scoring a touchdown. The other uh, fantasy points that he's scored have been, you know, like, nine or ten or below um now i i went back and watched that whole game which might be surprising to you but because i was interested in picking up ronald jones in some leagues i i paid extra uh, special attention to him okay um this past week this there's things that you can notice about his play that would be indicative of someone who bruce arians is not going to trust going forward and that's why you see all the wiffle waffle. So Ronald Jones is a is a young player. He's a second year player that was a rookie last year. In uh, this particular game and in other instances throughout the year, uh, there have been um, issues with um, uh, with with pass blocking when he was in on on those kinds of plays where he allowed the quarterback to be sacked or or take a, uh, almost take a hit. That's a no-no. Uh, there, there's a fumble that he just had in week 10 uh, where I could see Arians, like, basically his his mind being like, okay, no more. As soon as as soon as soon the fumble... <laughs> Did you look into his soul? Well... Did you, could you peer through the hat? As soon as the fumble occurred, uh, uh, Peyton Barber came in and, and stayed in for, for the majority of the game that was left. Um, there were also pass routes that looked like he didn't know exactly where he was going. So I think Ronald Jones suffers from what a lot of young running backs do, which is... Um, a, a deficiency in, in game intelligence. And Arians is the opposite kind of quarterback that you want if you're a dumb running back. You mean Winston? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of unintelligent players on that team <laughs> for Arians to be coaching it. But but my, my point is, if you look at the game, you could say, um, you know, he did well and he's been trending up, but he had 11 rushes for 29 yards. He had a fumble. Um, he was taken out of the game and benched after that, and he's messed up several times in the in the past couple games, and including at least twice this game, where where he didn't do simple things that he needs to do. I know Bruce Arians from the past, and for from having him be a big part of the Steelers, who I'm a fan of, and I know that when players screw up in that system, that he doesn't uh, take kindly to that. They don't take kindly to that around here. So I would I would. I would look to see his his touches go down uh, in in the game versus New Orleans. Well, 
Dave, I just want to say thank you for doing all my research for me on Ronald Jones. You're welcome. You had way more reasons than I had about why we should not be starting him. He's not a forward. he's not a smart football player, and he doesn't have the trust of the coach. Yes. It needs the coach trust. <laughs> Well, as we approach the end of the of the podcast, I have just a couple of lineup questions that I want to uh, bring up so I can get some replies out there to the, the Twitter world where they come from. Okay. Uh, the first question is, uh, I, I have been infinitely frustrated with Damian Williams and the Kansas City uh, running back situation. I have the ability to play Damian Williams this week versus the Chargers, or I could put in Brian Hill, who I just acquired off the waivers at Carolina. Um, I look at that situation and I see where I have currently ranked Damian Williams at 11. This is standard scoring. Okay. And uh, Brian Hill at 17. I may adjust things after that, but but he's right in saying and bringing up the fact that the main part about this question is will Damian Williams continue to see uh, a lot of rushes like he did in week 10, more than he's had the entire year in 19 rushes. Um he still only scored nine points off of that because he had a fumble, didn't score a touchdown. Um, he had a game this year where he scored 19 fantasy points in standard scoring, but he's had plenty of games where it's been one or three. So is is Brian Hill someone you could trust over a Williams that is clearly um, back and forth as far as uh, uh, value as, as a fantasy running back? So Brian Hill in a sort of spot start... That's a tough one. I really like uh, the matchup this week for Damian Williams. They are playing the uh, the Chargers on Monday Night Football in New Mexico. No, not New Mexico. Old Mexico. Old Mexico. OG Mexico. Mexico City. Mexico City. Thank you. Um, who do the Falcons play? I just mentioned both of them, but uh, Carolina. Carolina. Um who I give, would go with Damien Williams in this situation. Who give up 136.7 rushing yards per I agree. Game. I mean, you've got Damien Williams ranked pretty high. I think that you got to start him. Well, I currently agree with that as well. Uh, but I think from a consistency standpoint uh, that Brian Hill has a, l- a higher floor than Damien Williams this week. So if you're, you, yeah. you're going... And he's not that far behind him. You're going for upside. Um, then, then Williams is, is the man. Um, looking... Looking at, uh, and I tried to get something from all of the uh, of the skill categories. Great. So looking at uh, quarterbacks, um, put up a very difficult decision here when uh, due to uh, injuries and, and drops earlier in the year and the current quarterback situation, they don't have anybody except for Kyle Allen uh, to start. But on the waiver wire is uh, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Nick Foles, and Carson Wentz. Uh, and there's more, but those are the the four that uh, that he's listing. So the question is, do I start Kyle Allen versus Atlanta, or do I go with one of those guys, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Nick Foles, or Carson Wentz? Now, Goff is going up against Chicago. Sam Darnold is going up against Washington. Nick Foles uh, up against the Colts, and Carson Wentz against New England. Oh, I wanted to say Carson Wentz until you said New England. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I was like, well, Carson Wentz is like a top ten guy this year. You just go with him. Well, so I have Wentz at nineteen because of his start against. Yeah, New England. no way. Give me the four players one more time. Uh, I got Wentz and Goff. Uh, he has Kyle Allen. Who was the fourth? Uh, um, Sam Darnold or Nick Foles. So Foles against the Colts is an interesting matchup. Um, it's, but it's his first time back. It's difficult to start Jeez. someone. Yeah, I mean, look. Whoever you are that asked us this question, you were right to ask. This is a tough one. Um, uh, well, I just know that the answer to this question is not like Ryan Finley or Jeff Driscoll. And and you could you could start someone even lower. For example, like I've got um, Mitch Trubisky and uh, Mason Rudolph. But but I think personally that you just stick with Kyle Allen. Yep. Even though he's this game manager guy that has had games that aren't very high scoring, the other guys are just not good options. Really, yeah, bad options, bad matchups. Kyle Allen against Atlanta. Look, Atlanta had a great game last week because they got up for one game because they needed to help save the coach's job. I don't think that they're going to get up for every game for the rest of the year, and Carolina needs to stomp all over a team. And they're at home. Uh, I think it's going to happen this week. I think Kyle Allen has, like, Three touchdowns, and they all go to Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> it works for me. Because that's what happens with this team now. All right, wide receivers. Um, okay. Uh, I have Juju. I've had Juju all year. I want to play Juju versus Cleveland. But uh, I I have other good wide receivers that I'm starting, uh, Keenan Allen and Julian Edelman, and I have the ability to start Kenny Galladay over Juju. Do I start Kenny Galladay or Juju in this matchup? That's Kenny Galladay versus Dallas and Juju at Cleveland. Yeah, this Cleveland is a standard scoring league. Night. Stay away from the Thursday night thing. Don't expect <laughs> some magic to happen for you on Thursday night. Thursday night, Don't Juju. Don't be surprised <laughs> if something happens on Thursday night. But don't count on that. I would have to go with Kenny Galladay, if only because now with a full week of practice, I'm, I assume that Jeff Driscoll will uh, try to focus on the best player to throw the ball to on that team. Yeah, even if they don't have Stafford, uh, he'll probably get the most amount of targets. Um, and he has been getting, even with, uh, like I mentioned... Of course, Dr- Dallas is giving up fewer points to opposing wide receivers than Juju is. Well, ultimately, in a standard scoring league, what's going to determine who to start is which one of them scores a touchdown. And that's going to be difficult for anyone to determine. Yeah, who's more likely to score a touchdown? I don't I know. think that it's probably Galladay. He scored one last week with Driscoll. All right. Well, and, and like I said, uh, Driscoll, his, at least he's still airing the ball out, and they're, they're offensively their they're play calling is still uh, down the field. So, so that's working out in the three. favor like, of the wide receivers. How many receivers. catches has Juju been getting lately? Because you were telling me earlier uh, in the week that Juju is probably, or not Juju, but Mason is probably a guy who is going to be given more opportunities to throw the ball deep as the season goes on. Yeah, so if you look at his statistics, when you know how they do the, the charts that show you where the quarterbacks threw the ball in Air a yards. particular game? Yes. And where on the field, et cetera? You know the little charts where they have the, the circles? Okay. Yes, yes. Um, I, I wish I knew what the actual chart was called. It's a spray chart. Okay, great. Spray chart. So, uh, in Rudolph's case, uh, each subsequent week after he came back from injury, uh, he was throwing further past the line of scrimmage, further downfield, and less uh, behind the line of scrimmage, which is the kind of play calling that the uh, that the Steelers were allowing him, being very conservative. 
and I understand why they were conservative without getting too much into uh, you know game analyzing Pittsburgh. It's because they have a good defense and they don't really trust the quarterback at this point. They I, have a I understand. great defense right now, but it really is playing. But Mason has been throwing further out and further out. Uh, Juju's targets have been uh, somewhat consistent in that they're between uh, four and nine uh, for the entire season, but. He, he's only had with Mason for the past three games, for example, uh, an average of uh, like four receptions per game. So yeah. just with, with volume, uh, I guess Galladay has to be the guy because he's going to have a higher volume in theory um, with Driscoll than Juju will have with Rudolph. Yeah, I mean, Mason Rudolph, is his average yards per attempt uh, are – range from like five and a half to seven on almost every game except for the best game he's had this year was against Cincinnati he averaged over eight yards per attempt when he had 229 yards and two touchdowns so I I need to see that number go up before I really feel comfortable starting Juju in a in a case where you're either or with Juju I go with the other guy (laughs) I like Kenny Galladay there gotcha uh, and last but not least, tight ends. And the question I have here is um, I've had O.J. Howard on my bench the whole season. He scored a whole bunch of points last week, and I didn't start him. Uh, I'd like to start him this week versus New Orleans. Uh, looks like O.J. had 11 points because he got a touchdown and four receptions for 47 yards against Arizona last week. Uh, good job, Arizona. Uh, <laughs> or do I start the other tight end that I've been playing um, which is Mark Andrews. The problem with Mark Andrews being that he had a great game last week, but before that, uh, he was scoring two points, four points, eight points, five points, uh, and being generally mediocre. So we're looking at Andrews. Andrews versus Houston. Okay. Uh, and OJ Howard versus New Orleans. I like what I saw out of OJ Howard. I, I heard that he was getting healthier, I heard that he would be a little bit better this uh, last week. But, but is playing Arizona the little bit of fool's gold there? Yes, yes. Playing Arizona is always fool's gold. Um, So Houston Texans are very good, uh, very stingy against tight ends. New Orleans only slightly less so. Um, Mark Andrews is a guy who I can't have faith in, and as soon as I, like, start really doubting him, he plays well. So So you haven't doubted him in a while? No, I was certainly doubting him last week when I turned down a trade offer for him. That I really would have helped my team. Yeah. Um in in hindsight. At the time I didn't think it was nearly enough help uh to go ahead and pull the trigger. So um Ravens at home, uh Buccaneers at home. Oh man. <laughs> this is tough. What do you think, Dave? Uh, well, I currently have Mark Andrews ranked above Howard, and I just can't trust Howard, being that the only good game he's had is is coming against the worst uh, defense against tight ends. So yeah. I'm going to go with Andrews, who just scored 17. Uh, maybe he's he's going to come back on a uh, you know on a good little spurt here. I got to assume that pretty much any tight ends floor is zero. I, so see, you go we, with the guy with the higher ceiling, that's Mark Andrews. Yeah, when we talk about this, uh, especially those two guys, they could literally go out and just get one reception each, and it would be a toss-up of whether you get two points or three points. <laughs> but uh, Mark Andrews has played well for longer this season, so uh, I'm still going to stick with him. So I say leave O.J. Howard on your bench until he can prove to do it twice in a row. Sounds, sounds like a plan, Dave. So remember, if you picked up on the musical theme tonight, 
Um, make sure you let us know what it was, and if you are correct, you may win a prize. Um, aside from that, join us uh, next week on Wednesday at 9 o'clock-ish, and uh, we will talk about what happened in Week 11 and preview Week 12 for you. Um, if you have any questions, then uh, like line up questions like Dave just went through, you can tweet us at Drink5 or ask on our Facebook page. Uh, we'll do our best to get back to you and let us know what you think. But if you just want to look up the rankings, make sure that you go to our website, drink5.com. Dave's rankings are there, along with all kinds of other good information that you need to know every week for the NFL. So, thanks for listening to us. Uh, cheers, Drink5. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. And that's our 90 Minutes.